0: We're continuing our study here through the book of Luke. And before we get started in Luke 17, let's do the smart thing and have a word of prayer here before we get going. Heavenly Father, good to be here. Thankful for just the time of worship and just the testimony and the fellowship. And pray you just bless this time now as we get ready to get into your word. As always, Lord, we pray that you would teach and we would listen and that you would just go before this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Luke 17, continuing our study here through the book of Luke. Last week we did verses 1 through 10, and we talked about the idea of forgiveness and, and holding on to things and that lack of forgiveness becomes bitterness, which then affects us, and our responsibility as Christians to have a heart of forgiveness like Jesus does, but also to forgive too, because it's a healing process for us as well. Now, that theme kind of continues here in a little bit, because we were talking last week about dealing with difficult people. That theme kind of continues a little bit here in what we're going to do. We're going to do verses 11 through 19 this morning. And I absolutely love the story here of the ten lepers being cleansed. We're going to read all of it, come back, and break it down then. In verse 11 it says, Now what happened is he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then, as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, "'Jesus, Master, have mercy on us.' So when he saw them, he said to them, "'Go show yourselves to the priest.' And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and, with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, "'Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any who found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, before we get into it, we have to get into this idea here of who we're dealing with. If you notice there in verse 11, it talks about they were in Samaria. And then it says also in verse 16 that one of them was a Samaritan. A little bit of background, I know some of you know this, but it's important to understand this. Back in the Old Testament, the ten northern tribes were defeated by Assyria. And the ten northern tribes were then taken over. And what happened is, they started combining the Jews with the Assyrians. And they created this kind of mixed race, if you will, called the Samaritans. And then their area was Samaria. And what happened is, the Jews looked down upon them because they were not Jewish. The rest of the world looked down upon them because they were this mixed race type of people here between the Assyrians and the Jews. And so they were outsiders. They were outcasts. So much so that during New Testament times, the Jews hated The Samaritans would would, would do everything they could to not walk through the land of Samaria, would do everything they could to not be around a Samaritan, would actually go well out of the way to not even be near one. So this is where Jesus is. This is where Jesus is ministering to. Now, this is obviously a teaching point for us, because you have Samaritans in your life, and you have a Samaria in your life. You have Samaritans. Now, you may not want to admit it, but you do. People that you don't really like. People that if you see will purposely probably try to go the other way. People that you really don't want to talk to. You have Samaritans. You have a Samaria in your life. You have an area that you don't like to go. Maybe it's a town. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's a family member's house. I don't know. But you have a Samaria that you actively try to avoid. And here we have this picture of Jesus going right into Samaria. Going right into the Samaritans. And saying we're going to minister to them. In fact in Acts 1.8... When Jesus was giving our marching orders on how to spread the gospel, he says, go into Judea and Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. He specifically said, go into Samaria. Those difficult places, those difficult people that you don't want to deal with. We all have them. But it's also interesting to note how often Jesus talked about the Samaritans. In John 4, the classic story of the woman at the well, she was in Samaria. We all know the story of the good Samaritan. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us. So you have to ask yourself who is the Samaritan in your life that you really just can't stand? Who is the Samaritan in your life that you're allowing your emotions and and those feelings of anger and frustration when we need to say, Gosh, I need to minister to that person? What is the Samaria, that area that you said, I'm never going back there again? God will probably send you. I've learned this. If I ever say I'm never talking to that person again, that person's probably going to call me in about five minutes. If I say I'm never going back there again, the Lord will probably lead me tomorrow to go there. So what you really need to do is say, Lord, I want to minister to that person. And then he'll send somebody else. That's how it works. <laughs> there are Samaritans in a Samaria in all of our lives that we struggle with, and it's difficult for us. And add one more thing on it. These guys just weren't Samaritans. They were also lepers. Now you need to understand some Old Testament leprosy here. Numbers 5, Leviticus 13, if you want to further study, and I encourage you to do it. This leprosy would make them an outcast of society. They would have to stand afar off. As it says right there in verse 12, they were afar off. In fact, what would happen is lepers during Bible times, if the lepers had to come near people, they were responsible to yell, unclean, unclean, so everybody would know that they're coming. And you had to go live by yourself outside the city. So if you had leprosy... You were then forced to go live outside the camp. You lived by yourself or in the leper colony here with other people. If you were married, you'd never see your spouse. Or if you saw your spouse, it was only from a distance. You could never have physical contact. If you had kids, you'd never be around them. What a lonely, horrible existence. These people are from Samaria. They are Samaritans and they're lepers. Three strikes against them. According to the world, they just don't even exist. What did Jesus do? Those are the people he went and ministered to. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to look for the Samaritans of this world, to go into the areas of Samaria. It's our responsibility to look for the lepers of this world and say, how can we go show love? And it's not leprosy. It's whatever that thing is that's hard for you. I've had people come up to me over the years, and I've even said it myself. You know what? I'd really love to minister in that area, but it's really difficult for me to minister to... Fill in the blank. That's your leprosy. That's the thing that you actively avoid. That's the thing that when you see that leper coming towards you, whatever ministry or person that is, you run from that. But yet Jesus is saying, let's go right in there and minister to them. We have to understand this point. We have to quit running from Samaria. We have to quit running from Samaritans. We have to quit running from lepers. We have to say, Lord, that's who I've been called to go minister to, and I want to have love like you have love and go to them. Now, it's really easy to sit here and say that, but let's flip it around. You're a Samaritan to somebody. Now, we never like to think that, right? You don't annoy people. You don't bother. There's not somebody else sitting at some church right now thinking, I have to go see you tomorrow at work, and I can't handle it. Lord, help me. Some other person is not calling their pastor aside after church saying, we priests pray for you because they have such a hard time with you. Because we're all perfect here. Everybody else is the ones that are struggling. We can be Samaritans and lepers ourselves. We have to sometimes stop and say, Lord, am I a problem to somebody else? I like to mention my wife a lot in messages, and you guys think I like to pick on her, and I'm not. I present her honestly. Now, I'm going to present another honest story, and and I'm going to tell you I asked her. It's hard to believe, but I can be annoying sometimes. And so what happens is at home, at here at church, I have a filter. I try to act professional. At home, the filter is completely and utterly gone. So I just love to pick on her. I just absolutely love to pick on her. So she was in the kitchen the other day, and I was just doing everything I can to just annoy her. I'm like a first grader. And I said, do I annoy you? And she goes, No. And I said, why not? She goes, when you get like this, I just pretend you don't exist. That's what she told me. I said, I'm going to tell the church that. She goes, they need to know the real you. That's what really happened. Point is, you are a Samaritan to somebody. You are a leper to somebody. Now, we don't think that. But this is a two-fold point. Number one, who is in your life that you just completely, utterly struggle with? Pray for them. Do what you can to say, Lord, I want to have your love for them. Number two, flip it around. Are you being a nuisance to someone else? Lord, is there something about me that I need to work on to be a better picture of Jesus Christ? And that's what we see here in this first part of just Samaria, Samaritans, and lepers. We need to understand the background of it. Once again, we want to ignore them. But you know what the problem is with ignoring them? Verse 13, they need and want help. They need and want help. They're crying out for help. See, they, we're trying to ignore when they're really crying out. I tell you, here's a simple, simple point in the Bible. James 4.8 says this, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. How simple is that? When I put effort into my walk in relationship with the Lord, God honors that. Too often I have people come up to me and they're saying, I just don't feel God. So we start talking, I'll ask them, how's your time in the Word? How's your time in worship? How's your time in service? How's your time in prayer? Well, not good. Okay, we're right there. Draw near to God and He draws near to you. If you come to the Lord with a sincere heart and say, Lord, I want to be a man or woman in your Word and in prayer and in worship, you will be blessed by that time. If you're not coming with that sincere open heart, it's going to be an emptiness because you're not trying to draw near to God. You're jumping through spiritual hoops. You're doing spiritual homework. As you draw near to God, as you cry out to Him, He answers and He responds. That's the beautiful part about this. Turn, if you will, to Psalm 107. And as you're going to Psalm 107, we're also going to be in Matthew 14. So, two points I want you to go to Psalm 107 and Matthew 14, please. Let's talk about this idea of crying out. Psalm 107, and then we're going to head to Matthew 14. These Samaritans, these lepers, they saw their answer in Jesus. They cried out for that. We have Samaritans and lepers in our life that are crying out for answers, and we have the answer of Christ, and we can help them, point them towards the answer that that is. Psalm 107, and then we're going to go to Matthew 14. Psalm 107 is an amazing chapter, and it's kind of a long psalm. If you get time, I encourage you to read it on your own there. It's 43 verses, but there's this constant repetition ...of this phrase that we need to talk about. The lepers were crying out for the Lord. What do we see here? Let's start in verse 5. Actually, verse 4. It says, "...they wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them." Let's stop for a second. Is that you? Is that somebody you know? Wandering in a wilderness? Desolate? Discouraged? Despaired? Depressed? Is that somebody you know or is that you? Verse 5, hungry and thirsty and you feel like your soul is fainting in you. You can't handle one more moment, one more day. What's the answer? Verse 6, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them out of their distresses. Cry out, God answers. Look at verse 12. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was no one to help. Have you ever felt that way? That there's no one to help? Nobody understands. Nobody gets it. You feel alone and left in this world empty. Verse 13, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. Look at verse 18. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. They drew near to the gates of death. Have you ever physically thought like you're just not going to make it spiritually, you're dying, emotionally, you're dying? What's the answer again? Verse 19, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distress. One more. Look at verse 27. They reel to and fro. They stagger like a drunken man. They are at their wits end. Have you ever been at your wits end? You just felt like, I can't handle one more thing. Well, what happens? Verse 28, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distresses. You see this ongoing theme. I'm in trouble, I cry out, God answers. I'm in trouble, I cry out, God answers. That's what happens. What do we do, though? Sometimes we get in trouble and we don't cry out, then we wonder why God doesn't answer. The way the system works is when I'm in trouble, I cry out, and God answers. Now, I ask you to go to Matthew. Let's build on this a little bit. Matthew 14, please. Two stories in the book of Matthew about crying out. first one is one we're really familiar with. It's uh, Peter walking on the water. And if you remember the story, what happened is the disciples went out in the boat. A big storm hit. They thought they were all going to die. And as they thought they were all going to die, then Jesus walked on the water to them. Now, we know that. You've been in the boat of life. You thought you were going to drown. You thought you were going to capsize. The storm is hitting you left and right. What are you going to do? What's happening? We're walking in fear. See, what happens? Verse 24 of Matthew 14 says, The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. See, look at verse 26. Are you crying out in faith or crying out in fear? If you're crying out in fear, there is no help. Verse 27, But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, as I do not be afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. What happens? Verse 30, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Look, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O oh, you, a little faith, why did you doubt See, when you are sinking in the waters of life, Lord, save me. Cry out, Lord, save me. And guess what he does? He reaches his hand out and saves you. Now, i got to be honest. If I was in the position of Jesus, I'd probably let Peter sink for a little bit. I mean, isn't that our nature? You put yourself into this trouble. I mean, is this not us? We're talking to the Samaritans and the lepers of this world. You've made those choices and decisions. You've made your bed. Go lie in it. I didn't ask for this problem. You asked for this. You've created this mess. And now all of a sudden you're crying out? I'll let you sink a little bit first. Then I'll stretch my hand out and try to save you. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't rebuke Peter first? He doesn't yell at Peter. He doesn't say, Peter, you and I are going to have to talk for a while. He stretches his hand out and saves him. Because Peter cried out in sincere faith. I love that picture of when I am in trouble and I am in distress, I can cry out to the Lord, and I am just a Samaritan, I'm just a leper, I cry out to the Lord, he reaches his hand out, and he saves me. I don't know what you're facing today, but whatever you're facing, be it physical, emotional, or spiritual, if you cry out in sincere faith, the Lord will get you through it. I firmly believe that. Number two, if you know somebody who is struggling... And you're struggling with what do I say to the person that's struggling? You got to point them to the Lord. That's all the answers that we have. Is when you cry out to the Lord, he will answer. We just keep pointing people towards the Lord. Flip back, if we will, now to Luke 17. So these lepers cry out, verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And this amazing thing happens. Verse 14, they're healed. Now, he says to go show yourself to the priest. That's the way it worked back then. Is if you had leprosy, and you thought your leprosy got healed, you would go to the priest, and the priest would look you over, and then make the decision whether your leprosy was healed. Now, here's the problem. The leprosy couldn't be healed back then. So, it's it's kind of this weird system. Here's the system on how, if you get better with leprosy, that what you need to do to go show the priest you're better. But, yeah, you're not going to be able to get better anyway, but we're still going to put it in there. So, when this priest has these ten lepers show up and say, hey, check us out, we're clean now, the priest is supposed to say, that's not possible. That's not. See, that's the definition of a miracle. That's not possible. If it was possible, we wouldn't call it a miracle. It wouldn't be amazing. It's not possible that these lepers could be cleansed. There is not a way for that to happen. For these lepers to be cleansed, the priest would have to stop and say, that's not possible. How, how did this happen? And then the lepers would say, there's this man named Jesus. And that's what Christ does. He does impossible things that people stop and their mouths drop and say, that's not possible. It's it's not possible that that person, that I used to know what they were like and how they used to act, how they used to speak and what they used to do behind closed doors, it's not possible that they're not walking with the Lord. Yeah, that Samaritan leper is now cleansed and right with Christ. That's what Jesus does. But note, how were they healed? Verse 14, It was that as they went... They were cleansed. That's a very important point. Sometimes Jesus would just heal like that. And then there's something like this. As they walked, they were healed. Do you realize they had to leave to head toward the priest still with leprosy? As they walked towards the priest and the leprosy was healed. I don't know about you, but if I was in that position and Jesus said, go to the priest, I'd say, well, can't you heal me first? And then I'll head to the priest. We do the same thing as parents, Right? As in life, I should say, don't we want the blessing first and then we'll obey? That's what we want. Heal me first, then I'll go talk to the priest. Bless me first, and then I'll obey. Jesus is saying, obey first, and then you'll be blessed. Once again, we do this as parents. If the boys need their room clean, sometimes we bless them first. Boys, I'll go get a piece of candy, get a sugar high, and I'll go clean your room. The idea, bless them, then they obey. There's other times where we say, boys, go clean your room. Once you get done cleaning your room, you'll be blessed. You can go have a piece of candy. Then there's a third time where we say, just go clean your room. No blessing. Same thing happens spiritually. Sometimes the Lord just opens doors. He opens windows. He's opening vents. He's opening everything. And he says, James, here it is. Go and enjoy the blessing even before you obey. And it's just so simple and easy. And you stop and say, this is amazing. There's other times where the Lord says, James, go. And I go and I obey, and I'm waiting for the blessing. And he says, "Now that was what I just wanted you to do. That goes back to what we talked about last week, faith and duty. Sometimes I do things out of responsibility. But then there's this one. James, obey. And as you obey, you see the blessing that happens. I don't know how many times I've done that. Okay, Lord, I feel like you're telling me to contact him. I don't know why I'm doing this. Contact him. And as you get into that conversation, you're like, wow, Lord, I see it now. Hey, Lord, I don't know why you're telling me to read this, and I don't understand why you're telling me to do this, but I'll go do it. And as I do it, wow, Lord, now I see it. See, we're all different personalities. Some of you, God love you. I'm the same way sometimes. You won't move unless the Lord shows you every detail first. Boy, you miss out on the blessing. And we got to be careful about that, because look right here. As they went, they were cleansed. One biblical example of this. You remember back in the Old Testament when Moses parted the Red Sea. Well, Moses gets up to the Red Sea. He has to part the Red Sea. We all know the story there. Egypt's behind him. Egypt's about to destroy Israel. The Red Sea's in front of him. They're trapped. Moses parts the Red Sea. And it says that Israel walks through a cross on dry land. Amazing. Well, there's another story that happens in Joshua 3. They get ready to cross the Jordan River. As they get ready to cross the Jordan River, God's command is the river will not part until the priests put their feet in the water. Point is, you've got to get your feet wet before the river will part. Now, the same thing happens today. Sometimes you have Red Sea moments. God just parts the Red Sea in front of you. It's picture perfect clear. Everything you're supposed to do, the blessing that it is, and you walk through on dry land. Other times you have Jordan moments where you have to put your foot in the water. You have to get your feet wet before God does anything because He wants to see an obedience of faith. And that's what it comes down to is faith. Look at verse 19. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. It's not that they brought the healing on themselves. But God said they were obedient. I wonder as Christians, how many opportunities have we missed because we won't get our feet wet? Once you get your feet wet, the Jordan would open. But how many times have we missed an opportunity because, Lord, part the water first. No, stick your foot in first. No, Lord, part the water first. We miss out. These lepers were obedient, and as they were obedient, they were then healed. But now the story changes a little bit. Verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, glorified God, and fell down on his face as he was feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, "Were are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? I mean, you don't want to be statistical here. But isn't that about the truth? It seems like about 10% really have that heart of thanks and praise. I mean, we'll lift up prayer request after prayer request after prayer request, and when God answers the prayer... I'm guilty of this. Generally, there's one quick, Lord, thank you. Then I move on to the next thing. Boy, that heart of praise, that heart of thanks. And and how did he come back? Verse 15. He was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God. Now, the question that has to be asked is, how is your voice? And I don't mean your literal singing voice. How is your voice when it comes to glorifying the Lord? How is your worship? Now, we got to be careful with worship because we have a tendency to judge worship on the outside. I see that person, her eyes are closed, her hands are up in the air, she's singing the song. Obviously, she's worshiping. Well, how do I know? Because I can tell. And I am obviously super intelligent. I can just tell she's worshiping. Now, that guy sitting over there looks like he's got a horrible migraine. His head is in his hands and it's looking down at the floor. Obviously, that man does not love Jesus because I can tell. Because I can judge worship. That's what we do. Worship is a heart issue. Worship is a heart issue. And we got to realize sometimes when it comes to the way it comes across, it's, it's really how's the heart. And if you think worship is really just from 10 to 10.25 on Sunday mornings you're mer- missing out, worship, I would hope, is a daily part of your lives. I hope that there's a time of, of reading and being in the Word. Of finding an opportunity to praise and worship, to find an opportunity to serve, to be a man or woman of prayer. I hope there's all these opportunities. But worship is not just Sunday mornings or Wednesday evenings. I hope there's a heart of worship all day. I tell you, if you struggle with things, have a time of worship before you go into that job, go into that meeting or talk to that person. And really put your heart in the right spot. Every now and then when Dawn and I are doing times of prayer, we'll just do a prayer of praise and worship. Of like, you know what, Lord, we ask you for a lot of things. This is just a prayer of, Lord, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. And remember, when it comes to thanking God, you thank Him for two things. You obviously thank Him for what He has done, but you also thank Him for just being Him. As we've said out here many times before, your worship of the Lord is not based on what He did for you this week. You don't come into church saying, I had a good week. God has earned my praise. God has earned your praise because He's just God. He's faithful, he's just, he's loving, he's merciful, he's kind. Here in this story, the leper is praising him because of what God has done. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we also worship God just because he's God. So how is your heart? Let's talk about this. Go to Psalm 138, please. Psalm 138. Let's talk a little bit about the heart of worship. Psalm 138. Eight short little verses. But boy, there's a lot in there. Psalm 138. This leper, this Samaritan, came back to say thank you. His heart was sincerely thankful for what God had done, what Jesus had done in his life. Psalm 138. Let's go ahead and look in verse 1. I will praise you with my whole heart. Before the gods, I will sing praises to you. That whole heart, that's a great place to start. My heart is truly thankful for what God has done in my life, what God is going to do in my life, what God is doing in my life, and for God just being God. My heart praises Him for that. Verse 2, I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For have magnified your word above all your name. Look at verse 2. He says, I'm going to praise you for just who you are. Loving, kindness, truth, etc. He's not talking about a specific act. He's just saying, I'm praising you for you being God. Just, you've done so much. And I like how he talks about God's word there at the end of verse 2. I thought it was pretty cool this morning that we sang, saying, you know, thy word. What a beautiful song. This idea, I'm going to praise God just for who He is. Now verse 3, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with my strength and my soul. There's that idea of crying out. See, now he's also praising Him for saying, You answered. Lord, you did something. I was struggling at work and you answered. I was struggling with my health and you answered. I was struggling in that relationship and you answered. I cried out and you answered. I praise God for also what He has done. Verse 4, all the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. Yes, they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar off. Look at verse 6. Though the Lord is on high, yet he regards the lowly. God thinks about us. We talked about that a few messages ago. Just this idea that God thinks about us. Stay here in Psalm. Just go over to Psalm, uh, what is it, 139. It should be right on the next page. Look at verse 17 of Psalm 139. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. God thinks about you. It's an amazing thing. So when we think about that, verse 6, he regards the lowly. Think about this. I'm a Samaritan. I'm an outcast. I'm a leper. I'm just full of sin. The Bible talks about leprosy being a picture of sin. I am just a sinful outcast, but God still listens. He listens to me. Verse 7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. I'm in trouble. Lord, I call out to you, and I don't know what your trouble is today, but you call out to the Lord. We just read in Psalm 107, we cry out for help, and He answers. Let's finish it up, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. That phrase there, that the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. I looked that up in a bunch of different translations. And it's kind of an interesting phrase there. And I really like the way the New Living Translation says it the best. It says, the Lord will work out His plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. I like that phrase, the Lord will work out his plans for my life. Or as it says here in the New King James, the Lord will perfect, complete. So right now you're struggling. The Lord says, I'll complete the plans I have for you. As it says in Philippians, I've begun a good work in you and I will complete it. Or works in progress. Yes, you're not where you're supposed to be spiritually. Your kids aren't where they're supposed to be spiritually. Your witness isn't. Your time in the Word, your time in prayer, your time in worship. Maybe your marriage, your relationships. I don't know what it is. None of us are where we're supposed to be spiritually. Now we can do one of two things. We can sit there and say, woe is me. Or we can say, you know what? God is still working. He is not yet done. He's begun a good work. He will complete it. Psalm 138, verse 8. He will perfect. He will complete the plan that He has for me. Put this all together. I'm an outcast Samaritan. I'm a leper full of sin. I cry out to the Lord, and He hears me. He responds. Then I walk in faith. Just as the lepers left and were cleansed, I walk in faith. And I don't know where some of you are at. Some of you may need to get your feet wet if you're facing a situation in life. You may have to get your feet wet on that one. But I also then remember the praise and worship. I praise and worship God for who He is, For what He has done, for what He's going to do, and for what He's doing right now. And I have a heart of praise and worship, not just Sundays or Wednesdays, but every day, because I realize God is so amazing. He's so amazing in what He's done. And I encourage you, if you find yourself battling the depression and the discouragement, how's that time of worship? Because when you have that time of worship, you really think about what the Lord has done and is doing in your life. And I tell you, it does bless you. We're just... Unclean lepers that Jesus loves. How wonderful is that? And I tell you, you may have some Samaritans in your life. You may have some Samarias you don't want to go to, and you may have some lepers in your life as well. God says, Love them. Encourage them to cry out to the Lord. And as they cry out to the Lord, God will heal. God will answer. And what a blessing that is. Marvin, come forward here. For-